Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Several years ago, there was a popular movie, Tom Hanks' movie, The Terminal. In that movie, uh, Tom Hanks uh, played a character. He ended up in an airport, stranded between his country and civil war, uh, and the country he wanted to get into, but didn't have a proper passport or visa. He was just a man with no home country. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a citizen of nowhere, uh, refugee and refugee status and refugee work, and what the church can do about that. So welcome to The Scent Life as we talk about a citizen of nowhere. Well, Nathan, today we're going to have the opportunity to welcome Anna back in the studio as she comes in to talk about stories of the Scent Ones. Anna, welcome back into the Scent Life Studios. Thank you. Glad to be back. Hey, welcome. Glad you're here. Things going okay? I think so. Good. School started back up. Everything's in the rhythm. It is. Who are we going to talk about today in our stories from the Scent Ones? Yeah, you know, we talk about our stories of the Scent Ones today. I think we go to the guy who uh, would be considered the towering figure in our modern missionary movement. It's true. The man that we call William Carey, who's also known as the father of the modern missionary movement. So, Scott, does that mean that he was the first missionary? That's a great question, right? Everybody wants to know that. The answer, obviously, is no, William Carey wasn't the first missionary. You know, in 1761, William Carey was uh, was a pastor in England and really felt a call to missions. In fact, you know, this was before there was Twitter and Facebook and 24-hour news feeds, and he was reading the stories of Captain Cook, uh, who would travel around the world. Now, not Captain Hook. That's the Peter Pan guy. Oh, good. Yeah, Thanks for the clarification. But, but Captain Cook, the, the sailor going around the world, he was really stirred in his heart about uh, the needs around the world. I think there's this realization uh, that uh, there are lost people out there, and they needed to know about Jesus, and William Carey just came to that realization. He wrote a little tract that had a, a long title, An Inquiry into the Obligation of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathen. This was, a, this was a sermon that he built off of the Great Commission, where Jesus says, Go make disciples of all nations. And William Carey was stirred with the fact that it was the responsibility of Christians to do something proactive about lost people in the world, that we couldn't just sit back and rest and think God's going to do something without us. And so this stirred his heart from that. William Carey started the Baptist Missionary Society, which contributed to the modern missionary movement. Uh, The fact is, as more missionaries joined William Carey in his missionary journey to India, they saw people coming to faith in Christ. They created some schools. um, They preached the gospel. William Carey himself translated the Bible into modern language, modern vernacular. One Christian philosopher uh, who was was an Indian said that William Carey did not see India as a foreign country to be exploited, but as Heavenly Father's land to be loved and saved. As missionaries today, you know, we can do the same thing, Anna. The the Bible points us to the world around us, and we have to decide what is our heart going to be for the world, right? Sure. Uh, There are millions of people around the world who need to know about Jesus, and William Carey really serves as a legacy uh, to what we can do. His calling was to see people come to faith in Christ, to preach the gospel. William Carey later explained that the commission, the Great Commission, wasn't as extensive as possible and laid us under the obligation to disperse ourselves into every country in around the habitable globe and to preach to all the inhabitants without exception, without limitation. 
William Carey's life motto seemed to be expect great things for God and to expect great things from God and to attempt great things for God. I think as we think about the life of William Carey, we can learn uh, that we can pursue God and his mission continually. As we think about stories of the sent ones, William Carey really is an example, uh, not just the father of the modern missionary movement that started something, but really an example of somebody that we can pattern our lives after. I agree with that. Uh, one, of the, one of the quotes I've heard discussing William Carey, uh, he got asked one time, how are you able to do so much for huh. God's mission? And his response was something along the lines of, I can plod. There you go. And I, I, I appreciate that William Carey, he did expect great things from God. Mm-hmm. And he attempted great things for God by just continuing to say, how do I move this mission forward? That's great. Great. Hey, thanks a lot for being here, Anna, this week for Thank our you. stories of the sent ones. Look forward to you being back next week where we hear the stories of people that God is using or has used around the world. Hey, welcome to The Scent Life. I'm Scott Hildreth. I'm the director of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, this is our podcast, our weekly podcast, where we talk about all things mission. And we talk about uh, what it's like to live our lives sent on God's mission. The fact of the matter is we have a missionary God and we are his missionary people. So uh, we want to follow after him. When we think about uh, God's plan and God's mission uh, often we ask questions, you know, how does that involve me? What should I do? We know there are those who are called uh, to the international mission field. Uh, we also know that there are those who are called to uh, North American church planting, or perhaps pastoring or revitalizing the church. But are there other elements of God's mission that come into play? I think the answer to that is yes. And one of the things that we try to explore week after week on our podcast is what might that look like uh, for us in different settings and in different situations. And well, the fact of the matter is, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, you know that we're in the middle of an international crisis. uh, And that crisis involves the country of Afghanistan uh, and the Taliban takeover of that country and just the massive exodus of people uh, from Afghanistan. And that creates questions for us about how we deal, not just with the political nature of this, whether we agree or disagree uh, with the actions of the president or the actions of the military. Those those are debates for another time and another people. Uh, but what we want to talk about today really is our Christian uh, Great Commission responsibility, if you would, as we respond to this uh, to this dilemma that faces us of, of what they're telling us could be tens of thousands of refugees uh, who are going to be coming from Afghanistan. They're going to resettle in cities all across the United States of America. In fact, they tell us that our area here in Wake Forest, North Carolina, will be the center, uh, one of the centers of, of settlement. But there'll be places all across our country. And the fact of the matter is, no matter where you are, you'll be faced with an opportunity or a dilemma or however we we deal with that, and we thought in our in our sent life conversations about about uh, moving forward. You know, ask the question: What do we as Christians do uh, when we think about refugees? You know, we we watch television, we see the hurt in people's faces, the fear, the trauma, what it's like to uh, to perhaps be a refugee. We hear. Uh, uh, people complaining on all sides. We hear uh, those on one side that seem to be overly sympathetic, and on the other side, those who are, uh, you know, lock the borders down. And the fact of the matter is that none of those really 
uh, are necessarily the solution. And one of the questions that we often, I think we need to really answer is, uh, what are the needs of refugees? And what, uh, what, is, uh, what is happening with these um, internationally displaced peoples, peoples who are, quite frankly, citizens of, of nowhere? Their home country is no longer safe for them. Uh, they need to go somewhere that is safe. Some of them have left with um, with nothing more than the clothes on their back, the family under their arms. We hope that they got their whole family out. Many are coming uh, with, with, with trauma. So I thought as we were thinking about um, uh, this ministry to refugees, the question that I want us to think about is what's it actually like to be uh, a refugee, someone who is displaced from your home country and uh, has to go somewhere else for safety, for security reasons. And so uh, luckily, uh, thankfully, by God's blessing, we actually have a, a firsthand um, experience for that, and that is Nathan. Now, you've met Nathan uh, several times in our podcast. Uh, you know that Nathan is our podcast engineer. He's the magic behind everything that happens uh, on our podcast. And so what you don't know about Nathan is that Nathan, uh, many years ago, uh, left his home country as a refugee and uh, traveled around the world before he landed in Wake Forest, North Carolina. So I thought it would be great for us to have a conversation today with Nathan just about the real specifics of what it's like to be a refugee, how one becomes a refugee, uh, and, uh, and, and as a person is thinking about seeking asylum in another country, what are some of the pitfalls, the traps, the issues that they face? And then how do we as Christians respond missionally uh, to this opportunity. So Nathan, welcome to the other side of the of the podcast, to the microphone side, not the switchboard side. Thanks for taking some time to sit with me today. Thank you so much, Scott. And uh, as you were talking about Tom Hanks and the movie <laughs> Terminal, I was uh, smiling because I really experienced that. I, I remember a day that um, my wife and I was in Istanbul yeah. airport Okay. Uh, with no passport because we had um, the, just the travel documents. And then uh, they had a problem in their system, okay. and they thought that my wife is illegally traveling. Hmm. So they stopped us. Okay, We were at the airport for three days. Wow. Uh, had, like, no place to sleep. Wow. Just being on the chairs. And there were def- definitely physical hardship to that but the thing that really really broke our heart it was the title of today's uh podcast Mm. citizen of nowhere yeah you don't have any home no home no government to back you up Mm. no hope that you can call someone or officials to come and help you right so that was that was a terrible moment for us emotionally of course but for sure praise god because we had jesus we had right. hope right. so we prayed together we right. cried together so why don't you talk to us just a minute nathan about that so obviously you lead to this point traumatic experience you're abandoned most of us get frustrated if we are stranded in an airport you know just a couple of hours if i if my know. plane is an hour or two late i think it's the end of the world and you're talking about spending three days mm-hmm. in an airport uh, airport food, no beds, airport floor, uh, probably no no real food at all. You don't have the money to to take care of it. Nobody to look out for you. But talk to our talk to us just a minute, our listeners, about your journey that led you to the point of needing to escape your home country mm-hmm. and needing to seek asylum somewhere safe. What tell us what happened there? And as you're talking, help us put us in the shoes of some folks who mm-hmm. may currently be also needing to escape, you know, Mm -hmm. Afghanistan, their home to come 
to a safe place. It's not like you left your home because you hated it, yeah. right? You you didn't you didn't leave your family behind because you hated them. Mm-hmm. You weren't like the prodigal son who thumbed your nose at everything. So mm-hmm. there's a reason that you left, and and there's a longing to be there, a longing sure. to be safe. But talk us through that process. Would you just explain to our listeners your journey and how you ended mm-hmm. up in this mm-hmm. this situation in the airport? Like many Christians in the persecuted countries, in close countries like Iran or Afghanistan, um, I was one of the secret leaders for the house church inside mm-hmm. of the country. And because of some security issues, I had to uh, escape my country. And first I went to Turkey, mm-hmm. and I spent three years in Turkey. Okay. I remember the day that I was coming out uh, from Iran. It was mm-hmm. really hard because mm-hmm. I knew that I would never be able to come back. Right. I was driving one day, going to my grandmother's house to say goodbye. Mm. And I remember I was driving and crying mm. because I, I knew that it was the last time right. uh, meeting them, meeting my cousins and mm. family. So it's easy. No, it's not easy. Right. It's, it's not hard. like you're going on vacation, right? Exactly. It's not just a fun trip or traveling. Mm-hmm. I, I experienced a lot of stressful and um, really bad time in Turkey, right. especially right. the first days. Is that right? I had no information about how to connect with the United Nations sure. or fill the forms or I didn't speak Turkish. So we had lots of problems. Wow. So explain to us just a minute. So you leave your country, your, your life is in danger or your, mm-hmm. your safety, either you're going to be thrown in jail or perhaps mm-hmm. put to death or something. Yeah. You decide, okay, I need to leave and tell my, my family goodbye, my mm-hmm. friends goodbye, and then I need to make arrangements to go somewhere that's safe. Yeah. And then to be a refugee, that's that's not just like an illegal immigrant, right? I mean, you go mm-hmm. somewhere, then you file your paperwork yeah. with the United Nations. You mentioned uh, United Nations, yes. uh, High Council on Refugees. You're filing some paperwork. Basically, you're pleading your case, yes. right? You're making your case, why I should be here, why my life mm-hmm. is in jeopardy. But you show up, you have no job, you have no family, you have no one to meet you. So there you are stranded, you don't speak the language, you don't have any money, you don't have any connections, and you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I fill this paperwork out, right? Exactly. I, I can feel the people that come here, mm. and they have all these fears in their hearts. So sure. that's why if someone tells me that, Nathan, we have a couple of refugee families that are coming in in our town, I say, I'll go to them wow. for, yeah. as the first person, because I know that it's frightening to right. be in a new place with no one to help you. Yeah. And you have no idea about the rules of that country. Yeah. I, I'm really thankful for the church. Mm. They um, show us how to go to United Nations, okay. how to do the uh, paperwork. So it would be I- impossible without them. Wow. So that's why it's important for us to be be present for the right. f- refugees. Right. Okay. So how long were you then in Turkey? A little bit more than two years. Okay. How long? So in, in those two years, was that what you would call your, your kind of your paperwork process for how you're working through the paperwork? Yes, a lot of paperwork, a lot of interviews and with the United Nations and then uh, with uh, the U.S. officials. Okay, okay. Yeah. And so you work through this two years. So for two years, you kind of don't know what's about to happen to you. You could be sent back, you could be stranded in Turkey, or you could be able to go to a safer country. The whole time your life is, is in danger, your future's mm-hmm. in jeopardy, you're kind of in limbo. If it weren't for the Christians, yeah. it would have been a mess, huh? Two years of waiting and almost knowing nothing about the future. Wow. So it, it's really hard, wow. really hard. Yeah. Just just by the grace of God, we could manage actually to <laughs> to finish that process. Yeah. And then when we came here, uh, God blessed us through the church and okay. uh, 
family in Christ wow. here in the United States. So now, thankfully, though, when you got off the airplane in Turkey, there were Turkey was a safe country for you to be in, mm-hmm. and there were Christians there. You were a Christian, and you showed up. Yeah. Christians met you. They helped you. Still was very difficult, very stressful. Yeah. Um, you, but you interacted along the way with other refugees who were, yes. who have been in other countries. They weren't Christians, right? Political refugees exactly. or other other forms of persecution. So they didn't have the they didn't have the Christian faith to lean mm-hmm. on. And so a lot of times hmm. uh, they don't have the faith. They don't have the faith family that is the church to lean on. So what can you talk to us a bit about the issues that is common among? international asylum seekers and refugees when they don't have this faith and they don't have a faith family to lean on? Scott, uh, being a refugee without Christ's hope, um, it's scary. Yeah, I, I can't imagine how a, a person can be the citizen of nowhere right. and without Christ. Hmm. So that's why, based on some statistics, and actually I was researching about this subject sure. the other day, and then I saw, oh, wow, a lot of uh, alcohol use, mm. a lot of depression, a lot of feeling of hopelessness, mm. and you know, social isolation, and, and a lot of emotional challenges sure. in these people, especially sure. the ones that they are not Christian, they right. don't have this hope. Sure. How it's important for us as Christians mm-hmm. to reach these people groups. Okay. They are in danger. Yes. They are in danger because we also have uh, heard a lot of uh, suicide cases okay. in the refugee communities okay. yeah. because of Simply because of hopelessness. Hopelessness, depression. No hope, right. depression, and right. sometimes, unfortunately, alcohol and drugs. Mm. Just imagine, you come here to a new country, you don't have a job, mm-hmm. you don't know the language, right. you don't have anybody to come right. and right. just talk to you. Sure. And then, so that's why we as the church, right. this is one of the best opportunities that we can serve God and serve these uh, refugees. Right. Yeah, and, and it's not like, again, I think we need to just emphasize, it's not like people are on vacation. Exactly. Right? It's not yeah. like you left something behind that was pleasurable and you just thought, hey, I think I'm going to go uh, to Disney World for a little while and can go yeah. back, right? So for many people, in fact, if we if we take off our, our personal conversation with, with me and you and we put ourselves in the situation of some, some Afghan refugees, um, there's not just the trauma and the, uh, the isolation here. But there's the, I mean, there's the trauma of what was left behind. Exactly. Family members who could be killed or jailed, oh, yeah. uh, involved in war. So people are carrying tremendous fear, tremendous exactly. trauma in their whole journey. And then the journey itself is fraught with frustration, too. Exactly. Right? Exactly. When we see a refugee, unfortunately, sometimes the first thing that comes to our mind that as you said that okay they they're they're here for better opportunities right. or maybe for a better country to live in right. but the the things that are kind of hidden from us maybe they went to jail maybe mm. they lost their jobs their families mm. they lost money and property and then some of them literally they l- received death threats yep. and we have christian friends right now in iran that mm. they are in jail or right. if they are out of the jail there the government is keep actually um, threatening them right and sometimes they, like me, mm. they can never go back to their homeland. Sure. I would be um, terrible without my Christian friends right. here. Right. So uh, now if I have hope, if I have uh, this passion to mm. help refugees, the reason was that someone helped me to mm. have this sense of belonging. Wow. So if you're asking me, okay, Nathan, how we can, now, how we can help? Right. How we can yeah. help this... These refugees just feel 
feel at home. Right. Just very simply, it's not a complicated thing for okay. the church to do. Just first of all, pray, ask direction from the Holy mm. Spirit, and then just go. Right. Go reach them, talk with them, pray with them, and l- just help them have this sense of belonging. Mm. Belong, belong to this community, belong to this city, belong to this church. Right. And even if they are not Christians, okay. they are because we have right now in uh, Raleigh, Durham area, we have lots of Muslim right. Afghans that right. they are here. Sure. And this is a great opportunity for us as the church just to just to reach them and then sure. help them feel that their lives matter. Mm. Their lives matter. They are here for a purpose, right. and we are able to help them and love them. Yeah. We have Christians of all people ought to be able to, to, to show hope, right? Because yeah. we have hope, and it's the hope that we have in Jesus. And, you know, the Bible talks about caring for uh, those who are the widow, those who are the orphan, those who are the oppressed. That's a, yeah. a great theme in the Bible, and it's a responsibility and opportunity we have uh, as the church, so what are what are maybe some real practical things that the that the church can do uh, for refugees who are coming into their community? What are some things to do proactively to say, "Hey, we want to serve you, want to be there for you"? Sure. What are some 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 real practical things we can do? Sure. First of all, let's educate ourselves about refugees. Sure. And there are great resources. Yeah. I'm just uh, mentioning two of them right okay. now. First, one of our great partners here at the seminary, RefugeeHopePartners.org. Right. That's right. They are amazing people. They are reaching out to the refugees. So I just encourage mm. you, everyone, just check out the website, RefugeeHopePartners.org. Okay. And then there is another website uh, that uh, the name actually is Refugee Health Technical Assistance Center. Okay. Uh, and the website is Refugee healthta.org okay. that it talk about refugee mental health mm. um, webinars like lots of courses and suicide prevention sure. and this is this is good for us as christian ministers that first of all we can educate ourselves mm. more about these yeah. refugees and i think it's important let me let's just back up right here before we move any further it's important that we as as listeners um uh, educate ourselves on the difference right between mm-hmm. asylum seekers refugees exactly. and uh, uh, immigrants, yeah. uh, maybe undocumented immigrants, or uh, maybe someone who comes on a student visa mm-hmm. or someone who comes on a work visa. Uh, when we're in this conversation, we're talking about ministering to those who yeah. are very oppressed and are in very dire situations. To your point, they're in, they're in danger in their home country. They come yeah. here. There's danger here, human trafficking, uh, vulnerability, all type of issues. We need to educate ourselves on what makes this situation different, and then how we as a church can minister in this different situation. Exactly. So next, uh, we, we should ask ourselves about some basic needs, like okay. food, right. clothing, translation, helping them to do their paperwork, or sometimes just simply they need a ride. Yeah. Yeah. They, just, <laughs> they just need to go to doctor office right. or just to go to DMV. Kids got to go to school. Exactly. Go to school or just grocery shopping. Right. And then after that, pray for them. Share the gospel in any way that possible for you. Good. Just give them hope because right. most of them, they are here. And then maybe they're asking that, what's the point of mm. this life? Mm. Why I'm here? I'm, I, I don't have my family. I don't have my country. So, so, so what? Yeah. And then you, we are giving them hope uh, from the gospel. And then um, the third practical step for me can be just giving to the organizations mm. that they are already serving them. Yeah. Just donate money if you can. Just donate anything, closing right. or right. food or anything that yeah. you can. Uh, as I said, you can reach out to uh, organizations like Refugee Hope Partners, mm. and, and then they will give you ways sure. to help. 
another way that I can help them, as I said, just spend time with them and make them feel at home. At least in the current setting, yeah. um, many of the people who are coming as refugees, at least one member of their family speaks English. Mm-hmm. Translators, those who've assisted, so some type of um, some type of being able just to minister yeah. uh, that way, just spending time with exactly. people who otherwise would be alone, isolated, uh, and th- that provides the platform for gospel conversations. Exactly. Why would you do this for me? Let me ask you a question, sure. Nathan. One of the things you brought up earlier, and one of the uh, kind of one of the fears that I hear from from Christians is this idea of Christians relating to Muslim refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk really quickly just a minute about uh, about this? What is it that Christians can do uh, to relate well to mm-hmm. uh, Muslim refugees? Uh, most of us are kind of afraid to do the wrong thing, to offend mm-hmm. somebody. Maybe what are a few things we should perhaps avoid, but really what are some things we ought to be ought to be doing and practicing as we relate to, to, to refugees coming in from Afghanistan? Don't behave in a way that they feel that you're converting them. Okay. Just love them. Okay. Just serve them. Just be there as a friend. Okay. And show them the love of Christ in action. Okay. And then after a short while, they will open up to the gospel, okay. I'm right. sure. And and meanwhile, we are praying for them. Sure. We are just showing them that we are there to help them. Right. And we are different. Right. Because they had um, different experience in their homelands. That's a good point. And then... If they feel the difference, hmm. feel the love and care, hmm. and just that that love will open a great door for you guys to share the gospel. Yeah, That's you know, yeah my experience with, uh, with talking with Muslim people is that unlike uh, uh, unlike sharing the gospel with, with Westerners, mm-hmm. uh, it's very natural to talk about religion. Yeah. You know, Islam is such an all-encompassing religion. It's very easy to talk about religion, and people will very naturally bring it up in conversation. Yeah. And so it gives you a great chance. You know, the Bible talks about give a reason for the hope that is within you. And if there was ever a time that we could apply that Bible verse, it's right now as God sends hopeless, helpless people uh, into our communities. Let me ask you one one other quick question, sure. Nathan, because there's another thing that um, – uh, that we often hear, and that is this idea of fear, right? People mm-hmm. are often saying, man, I'm just afraid. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for Christians to be afraid of Muslim refugees coming to the United States? First of all, all these refugees are checked by the FBI. Okay. So background checks, okay. so don't right. worry. So the politics aside, <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So, but after that, we believe that God can change any hearts. Very good. So this is powerful. Yeah. This is not Nathan right. changing them. Good. This is the word of God. 99% of the Muslims don't reject you when you ask if I can pray for you. Good. Muslims love prayer. Okay. So you're showing that I'm blessing you. I just wanted to pray okay. for you. I'm not here to convert you. Right. Just love you to pray for you and be there as a friend. Mm. And then the rest is the Holy Spirit's responsibility. Yeah, we give a reason for the hope that's in us. Exactly. And that gravitates, resonates with people who have no have no hope. Exactly. Nathan, thanks so much for being with us. What a great sure. conversation. Let, let me encourage you who, uh, no matter where you are in the United States right now, there are conversations about refugees, refugee ministry, conversations about uh, what your church can do, perhaps what you as a family can do related to uh, to ministry with refugees. Let me just encourage you to lean into this moment. Uh, the Bible is clear that God moves people where he wants them to be, and God is bringing people uh, who are, are really, as, as Nathan's reminded us, hopeless and afraid, vulnerable, 
Uh, and, and what we as the church can do is just really be ambassadors of Christ. And that's our, that's our goal. That's our objective. That's what we're really asking, uh, asking people to do. We want to serve you uh, as the Center for Great Commission Studies here at Southeastern. If you have questions about ministry with refugees or what it's like to, uh, to be involved in, uh, in refugee ministry, don't hesitate to shoot us an email or, or send us a message on one of our social media platforms. If you have any other questions about, about our ministry or about the podcast, itself. Don't, he- don't hesitate to do that. Pass this along to other people too. As you hear people ask questions or have concerns about refugee work or maybe churches in your community who may also be open and have the chance to, uh, to extend ourselves in this ministry of hope. So make sure that you do that. Pass that on. Like the podcast so that more and more people can hear it. And again, thank you so much for joining us in The Scent Life this week. Remember, we serve a missionary God. We are his missionary people. We live our lives sent on his mission. Even now in this moment in history, when God is sending people to us, let's serve as sent people as we live the sent life. Amen. 